Uh, that's why you don't have sex in the shower on a space station. Amen. <laughs> well, um, you know. I don't know if I'm going to keep any of this. <laughs> in fact, I may just not. Let's pretend like I'm not. <clears throat> uh, cla- classic schnaz. Not going to keep any of this. <laughs> even though it's the most relatable thing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. No, I'll keep you saying that and start the episode <laughs> with that and then not include that. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 455 with a review of Alien Colon Covenant. Uh, I am Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. The latest installment of the Alien franchise... Uh, and being as there is, uh, you know, there's an android in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fassie plays an android. So, uh, <laughs> given that this film deals with an android, let's go around the horn here and uh, mention what our favorite android performance. And just so we don't get stuck in an argument about what an android is versus a robot, let's talk about any robotic being from any sci-fi property. What is your favorite? <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> So, like, my first thought, and again, this is a recency bias for sure. Like, this is almost definitely because I watched this film, like, within the last few years. Whereas, like, there there are classic Android movies, too. It's just a a little bit difficult for me to remember all of them. The one I first thought of to complete the power couple with the star of this film (laughs) would have to be Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina. Uh, I think she gives, like, just a great kind of chilling performance of like the pro and con of android life like the there's the humanness but then there's the kind of like cold indifference that only a robot can give and yeah i i dig that performance i like like her a lot carson oh uh, i don't know that's I, I, I don't have time for the first thing that came to my mind was uh was rutger hauer in uh blade runner Classic. another another ridley scott film yeah. um but, um, you know, I really liked, uh, spoilers, but I really like Fassie, uh, in this movie. <laughs> Chris and I called uh, that you were going yeah, to yeah. say that. Steve and I, <laughs> when we were talking about possibly having this be our question for this episode, we were like, I, I, I bet Carson will say Fassie. I mean, I like Fassie in Prometheus, and, um, I think he gets, uh, he gets a lot more to do in, in this one, and, um... It's a pretty, it's pretty memorable. I, I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, and there's probably some others that I'm not thinking of, but, uh, I mean, yeah. obviously Chappie, right? Oh, <laughs> Chappie, yeah, for sure, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Steve and I may have had a little bit of conversation about this question, but right before recording, um, and I definitely agree with his sentiments towards Alicia Vikander's character in Ex Machina because the performance is fantastic and the story surrounding the character is awesome. And that's probably one of my favorites. But if I'm going to dig back in time, I mean, you have to go with Short Circuit, right? Like- <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, it, it, it is kind of a tough question, though, because, I mean, do you want, like, if if the question was, like, who is going to be, like a robot that can help you actually accomplish goals, that'd be one thing. If it's going to be a robot companion, obviously, yeah. Steven's quite 
answer totally Or wins. Robin Williams in Bicentennial, man. I would grow oh. with that guy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that, was um, a very, that was a very sad movie. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are mo- scenes of that film that I have watched. I just don't remember any of it. Um... Sure. <laughs> you know, it's kind of blended with Mrs. Doubtfire in my mind, where the robot is dressed up as a woman. <laughs> well, it's beca- well, it, it was funny because it was Chris Columbus who yeah. did Mrs. Doubtfire, also did the mm. Bicentennial Man, also. Bleh. That that would be a great a great like spoof video is like Mrs. Doubtfire Man, <laughs> it's just robot Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Oh, but you know, uh, Stephen was kind of joking about it before, but. Um, Artificial AI, artificial intelligence is a really underrated um, sci-fi movie. Like, is not it? no, I agree. Sci- I agree. I, I, I think sci-fi, it's sci-fi, sci-fi, and Spielberg movie. Like um, that, I feel like um, I, I think Haley Joel Osment in that Andrew Law, but Haley Joel Osment um, in particular is really good in that movie. I, um, I've, I've seen AI, artificial intelligence, a few times. And I think it threads the line between being really good and being stupid as hell. Like, there's something, like, it, I can totally see, like, watching it in the correct mood and be like, this film is amazing. And other times I watch it, I'm just like, this is stupid. I I mean, what I have to give it credit for is, like, for Spielberg, it's pretty high concept. Like, he, like, he does not shy away from the, like, the weird ending, among other things. He's not afraid to go full concept and... Normally, he kind of, like, I don't want to say he plays it safe, but he definitely plays it very, like, crowd-pleasing and crowd-friendly. Yeah. And this felt like his departure where he, like, decided to just go full sci-fi. And, and I dug that. I think a part, partly because that was supposed to be a Stanley Kubrick movie at one point. And mm-hmm. when he passed away, Steven Spielberg took it over. And there was a lot of stuff that he had already written. So I feel like that was kind of Spielberg honoring... Stanley Kubrick's vision in a way which made it feel kind of like older Spielberg because he like at one point said okay I'm not gonna you know I'm gonna play it safe and not be like as crazy as I was like in Jaws where you know kids are dying and shit like that in 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 like mainstream like blockbuster movies not you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah so, so that's like part of that was like partly part of the reason but um, I mean, it still has. It's still very much like his movie and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For for me, I guess I, I on paper I love the idea of an artificial being hearing the story of Pinocchio and hoping that it's a real story and that that is his way to find like real livelihood. Like I I love that idea on paper. The execution of it, it just never felt real to me. Like it just seemed sort of silly, and. I don't know, maybe Chris today would watch that movie and be like, oh my God, this movie's so good. Mm-hmm. But my memory of having seen it back when it came out, just something rang false in the execution. And I don't think that there's necessarily somebody who could have done it better. Like, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think the execution was wrong. I just think that it, it, it didn't work the way the idea of it worked for me. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I'm, I'm with d- Carson. I, I, I dig, <laughs> dig Haley Joel Osment in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. I mean, he he's great in everything. He deserves a he deserves a comeback. I mean, kind of did in some movies recently, but Tusk. Yeah, like a <laughs> Tusk. Tusk and Yoga Hosers, or the Kevin Smith projects, but uh, 
and he was in like the Entourage movie. But like he deserves like a he deserves like a good comeback because like he's still a good actor. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Should we get an Alien Covenant, guys? Why not? All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Alien Covenant, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work. Your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. Right, so that was the trailer for Alien Covenant. It is the follow-up to the film Prometheus, which is a prequel to the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, in this film, we have a group of people flying aboard a ship called the Covenant. They are off to colonize a new world called, like, I don't know, like Agnes 9 or something. I forget what it was called. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Birth of <laughs> Was it not, like... <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I could have sworn it was like Agnes Nine or something. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, it was something, you know. Anyways, uh, so S- something while, with a cool name. While en route, uh, like happens in many sci-fi properties, some sort of uh, minor disturbance happens, which wakes a bunch of people mm-hmm. from sleep. While they were awake, they receive some sort of signal, which directs them to another planet, and then the rest of the movie happens. A three-hour tour, <laughs> if you will. It, it was a three-hour tour. <laughs> um, but yes, Stephen Miller, mm-hmm. why don't you start us off with your thoughts about the Alien franchise as a whole, 
and then uh, we'll come back to you for your actual thoughts on this film. Okay, so we're going to do franchise first and then leap in after we've all gone. True. All right. Um, so I'm like not a completist of the Alien franchise. I know for sure I saw and quite enjoyed Alien and Aliens, right? The, the quintessential Alien movies. Like I, I think those are both great for different reasons. Like Alien is kind of a great semi-horror flick, right? Like a very like cool bottle bottle film is, is that the right word for it there's like a word i'm missing here it, it's like a yeah, cool yeah. very contained yeah, yeah. Action self, thriller. Self, like self-contained yeah exactly yeah. very cool self-contained action thriller and I, I think that's like a masterpiece i watched it not that long ago and it totally holds up uh aliens is also great in the much more kind of like expansive action way um alien three and four like if if i saw them it they didn't leave a big mental footprint <laughs> uh like i i think there was a footprint of three which was like yeah, it, it, like whatever the footprint was, was I remember not wanting to watch it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically, like it, like, it, it like everyone do, else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it didn't do much for me. Uh, so Promethe- Prometheus is the last one that I have like a strong memory of. Are you forgetting Alien versus Predator? Uh, intentionally. Oh yes. shit! <laughs> what about Alien versus Pre- What about Alien versus Predator Requiem, guys? <laughs> I don't even remember that being multiple. That, that was the sequel. Oh, that Jesus. was some. That was somehow even worse than the first one. So, so are are the Alien versus Predator films canonical? Do they count as part of the Alien anthology? I, I guess, but I I don't, I, I, I don't count them. Does the Alien I, Ant Farm count? <laughs> Just as long as we're like looping in anything with the word, because that's smooth criminal cover. That's no, canonical. Dude, that <laughs> that cover is fire, dude. <laughs> That's that. There's there's two songs that Alien Ant Farm has performed <laughs> that I know. It's that cover, and they sing that song the movies, right? Sure, I can only name Smooth Criminal. Uh, I think My other music touchstone is going to be Alien Youth by Skillet. I believe was the word. <laughs> um, Anyways, anyway, so. Prometheus is like the next film in the franchise that I really have a strong memory of. And my feeling there, which may or may not inform my feeling here, was that it provided the mythology nobody wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it basically answered or started to answer this question that I don't think anyone walked out of the early Alien films having, which was, God, I love those xenomorphs, but where did they come from? <laughs> and... and I, so I, I they come the, from John Voight's ball sack. Yeah, exactly. Right there with Angelina Jolie. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's there just something – there was something about it where it, it, it was not bad in any way to me. It was like a well-made, you know, beautiful-looking film, very expansive, that just didn't have a thing propelling itself forward. Like it, it, it was very focused on its own philosophy, its own mythology and world-building at the expense of having any kind of relatable characters or packed – action set piece and the only thing that held it afloat in my mind was michael fassbender like he was the only thing i really remembered from prometheus yeah so that that was my feeling basically was alien one aliens great movies classics the rest take them or leave them prometheus reminded me of what i was missing but i didn't know why it existed yeah carson uh, i just want to say you are correct alien ant farm movies uh from the same album Anthology. (laughs) 2001, baby. 2001, the perfect year. Um, 
Oh, okay. So the year I graduated, by the way. Uh, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I mean, I, uh, I uh, have I really enjoy like the Alien franchise, like excluding the Alien versus Predator movies because, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't count those because they're terrible. Um, but I guess they are considered canon, but I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't see anyone out there defending them, but, um, um, I think that the, uh, I I mean, I, I have like a soft spot for all of them. I mean, I, I don't know if that's just because like I watched them, like I watched them when I was younger or something like, but I feel like I've come back to them and they, they still hold up. Like they, I feel like they have the benefit of like all being done by like really great directors. Like, cause other than these two Prometheus and, and Covenant, like they've all been done by a different director. And the fact that like, you know, James Cameron and David Fincher and, uh, the guy who directed Amelie, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they all have, like, they all put their, like, stamp on, like, each one of those movies. So while people, you know, obviously, you know, Alien and Aliens are the classic, too, that everyone goes to. But, like, I, would, I will stick up for Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Like, those, like, have their qualities, um, which I feel like, yes, they, um, you know, at they also have their flaws, but like there's just there's stuff about them that like you're not getting in um a lot of big budget movies these days. So they they definitely have their own style and uh, you know they they try they try and go for broke. So um yeah and then obviously Prometheus, like I was super excited when that that Ridley Scott returned to the to the series. And I mean I enjoyed Prometheus. Like I I obviously it wasn't perfect, but it was, you know, it was like really, it was just fun and obviously it looked awesome and, uh, Fassi was great. And, um, yeah, there was probably too much like exposition and, um, but you know, it it was mostly just kind of the thrill of, uh, the set pieces and the visuals that, that was carrying that movie. And I mean, you know, like, I usually am am not a fan of, like, when they go back to try and tell you, like, this is all, like, how it happened. You know, like, all the prequel stuff. But, like, I don't know. There was something about Prometheus that was at least interesting, you know. It was, it didn't, you know, it felt like that Ridley Scott wasn't, like, half-assing it. Like, he was at least putting in the effort to make a good movie and make something worthwhile instead of just, like, oh we're going back to the well. Like in my, in my eyes, like I thought it was, uh, maybe other people don't, but, um, yeah, like I, um, yeah, I mean, so I, like, I, I, I will go to bat for any of the alien movies. Cool. Um, like Steven said, I remember alien and aliens and everything after that is, is pretty much a wash. Um, I don't remember whether it was the third or the fourth film where they they changed from everybody putting alien babies inside of them to like putting a human baby inside of the queen. <laughs> um, what movie is that, Carson? 
There's like uh, Sigourney like falls into the queen, and then like a human alien hybrid gets born. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's resurrection. That's the fourth one. Okay, yeah, I thought she, it was the like, fourth one. Yeah, she fights it at the end. Yeah, yeah, and then it yeah, gets yeah. like sucked into space. It gets like, a sucked hole. out throughout the hole. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler for Alien Resurrection. <laughs> uh, let's just say that we're safe to spoil all the films. Okay. Well, I mean, even Prometheus is probably fair. Oh, it has to be fair game if we're talking about various things. Well, well. Well, that'll be the most spoiling we're doing for mm-hmm. now, but uh, I think but, we're okay since the movie is twenty years old now. Yeah, but like at, at like the all I remember from that movie is I was like, how does she, a female, fall in to the female alien queen and produce a human alien? Homosexuality is the part you don't get. About. <laughs> no, I don't get how like they create a baby together, like. It, I just didn't get what was going on there. Mm. Um, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Way to flip that for me, Stephen. Um, but yeah, for, in general, I don't remember much about the movies, period. Except for the things that I liked about the first two. And uh, I think going into Prometheus, I was excited for the story of Prometheus. Like the idea of like these people finding these ancient civilizations and and... And uh, references to some alien beings and going off on an adventure to find them to see what they are. Like, that part of the trailer was like, this is going to be awesome. Like, I didn't care about the origins of the xenomorphs or anything like that. I just wanted to see this cool story. And uh, all I really remember from Prometheus is the albino people. And (laughs) that, like, every single exterior shot was, like, the best desktop wallpaper you've ever seen. (laughs) And, uh... Oh, yeah. And yeah, that, that, that's mostly what I remember about that film. So <laughs> we actually tried to today to look on the website for what our reviews were for Prometheus. And I guess that was before we switched to Squarespace for hosting um, because we couldn't find the episode in search. Um, but I might actually dig that out of the archives and create a new page to mm-hmm. link to so that people can check out our yeah, review Yeah, that, that was a while back. I'm sure we sound... Just as embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so going into this film, I wasn't that excited. I mean, I feel like Carson was the most excited mm-hmm. from when the trailer ends and there's that giant xenomorph <laughs> just bashing its head above the cockpit above uh, Danny McBride. Like, oh, yeah. I think Carson was like, I am in so hard. And, oh, I, was, uh, I was so down. I was, I, I was down the second they were like, Danny McBride joins Alien Covenant. I was like, finally, someone answered my <laughs> prayers. <laughs> God damn. I, I need somebody to wear a Kentucky hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee, Put, yeah, yeah. Same difference, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> um, but the, anyways. The opinions of the Spoiler Warning podcast do not reflect the other... Uh, I think you got it backwards. The <laughs> opinions of Christopher Shainsley do not reflect the opinions yes. of the Spoiler Warning podcast. Well, Anyways, Alien colon Covenant. <laughs> Stephen colon. Miller, what did you think of this film? So I thought Colin Covenant was, it, it did some of the things that I quite like about the original Alien movies and some of the things that I really disliked about Prometheus. Um, so basically, like, like, I think what made Alien 1 so fascinating and special is it really is a horror flick. Like, it has all the kind of beats of a standard horror movie. And it's sci-fi, but it's played, it's played for terror, right? It's like a, it's all kind of about, like, the the psychological terror of being trapped in this small enclosed area with this giant thing that you can't control. Yeah. Um, 
And th- this movie gives that to a degree that I don't remember in Prometheus, at least. Like, this, this allows for a few scenes where you really have that again. Uh, I don't know that they did anything new. <laughs> like, quite literally, I think everything that happens in this movie with respect to the alien has happened in other movies with respect to these aliens. But it did kind of capture a little bit of that terror that I enjoyed. Um, the problem for me is the the mythologizing in this movie. Like, the constant need to... A, assume we remember everything that happened in Prometheus as if it had just come out yesterday. Um, and B, like, just... I, I think if you if you were to trace, like, the plot of this film and the reveals that it takes you on, for the most part, this movie only makes sense if you cared a lot about Prometheus and care a lot about whatever the next movie is going to be. Because this is, like a bridge between those that is showing you like here's where you've been and here's where we're going and look at how this world is going to unfurl in a magical terrifying way and i found all of that completely boring (laughs) i don't know like like i just don't care very much about how this universe developed and how certain characters i won't name feel about creation and humanity and i just don't care about the philosophy of this world that much I, i i feel like the exposition is by far the least interesting part of it. So I think this got right parts of what Prometheus did, which are like, again, the landscape shots are beautiful. Um, the opening scene in this movie is also like very beautiful, kind of very ex machina or Kubricky. In the, it, it shows this very futuristic world and a conversation between two characters. Um, and the tone that I thought that was setting was for a film I would love to watch two plus hours of. Um, the movie that I got instead was kind of just a mix, mismatch of some things that I really like about the Alien franchise and things that just don't hold any water. So, I don't know. The good, the acting is solid in this movie. I really like Michael Fassbender in this. I think he he is probably the only thing keeping the movie afloat, and he single-handedly makes it, like, at least a reasonably entertaining L- literally film. Literally single, single-handedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, double, well. <laughs> Depends how you count him. <laughs> but, but yeah, he, he pulls more than his own weight in this movie. More than twice his own weight in this movie. Um, Fassi is he's good in everything, and he's really good here. Um, not since Jobs has Michael Fassbender and Catherine Waterston had such a love-hate relationship. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I like the characters. It just, I, I don't know, it had this feeling where it, it sets up interesting characters and then just disposes of them in the most useless way possible. Like, I, I think the weirdest character for me in this film is Billy Crudup, because he he is a guy who has all of this past that you only briefly learn about. He is, he is the captain for the first time of a new ship. He has all these insecurities. He's apparently a religious fanatic who saw the devil one time. Yeah, and I don't like, know what that means. But... Nobody gives a fuck about that. Like, it just, like, he blurts it out, and then it, it never gets follow-through at all. Like, there, yeah, yeah. there's nothing tying him together. Uh, Catherine Waterston is probably, like, the the anchor of the film at least she she is the character through which you experience most of the movie and like i i quite like her as an actress and i think she's fine here but she doesn't really give you anything either to latch on to like there, there's no reason to be invested in her character or well, she, she gives you that little like pulley system on the barge yeah To latch on to, because... Yeah, I got like, you. Yeah. That literally latch on. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know how to explain it. This is a movie that 
is completely well made in any respect. Like it, it looks great. Like I, I think the money is on the screen for the most part. Like the action sequences are thrilling. The aliens have that kind of like disgusting quality where like you don't. It's like you don't want to touch one, and then holy fuck, it's on my face. Like, like that, <laughs> that's how the movie goes, and it, and it works. I, like those, I, I don't know that the, when the one xenomorph is born, a little tiny, like six inch tall, like that was kind of cute in no, a weird, gross way. That was not like it, it reminded me of like <laughs> the, was the no Velociraptor <laughs> being being it wasn't baby group, but it was like the Velociraptors, and it was like push, mm. push. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they're so. I don't know. They're, they're little, so. Little hand. He's like, they're, they're so like Guillermo del Toro-y, monster, creepy, pale, slimy creature. Yeah. It, there, there's a good squeamish factor to this film, and, and it gets it completely fine. Like, if there had not been other alien movies, I would think this was pretty solid. <laughs> like, because I wouldn't yet know about the idea of spores and neomorphs and creatures bursting out of people and all, all of the stuff that is now, like, a genre in and of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a combination of plenty of good things that just didn't add up too much. Like, when I left the theater, my main thought was, well, that was, that was fine. That was a thing. <laughs> like, that, like, that was completely well made. I just don't... It, it's like how Carson felt about Kong, maybe. It's just like, it was like a thing. I just don't know why it's a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Fine. I just don't know why. I don't know why this exists. I will say I'm curious about the next movie because I feel like they're setting it up to be like pretty insane. Well, uh, Carson Patrick, what did you think of this film? Uh, I just want to say I did not feel that way about Kong. I came out of that movie just, uh, I don't know. Well, the, I, just, the one thing I don't you know did, what I was going to say. The one thing was, you probably did similarly feel is where the xenomorph's penis. That's true. Oh right, yeah. No, um, I wasn't thinking about any any peanut where the penises were in this movie. Um, Penomorphs. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I had a I had a really great time with this movie. Uh, I think it's a I think it's one hell of a party. Um, I thought that um, I I had a I had an inkling back when like they. Um, like when, when Ridley Scott got snubbed for The Martian, like he got a, he didn't get nominated for an o- Best Director Oscar, and everyone thought he was a shoe in and, um, and then like a couple days later, there was like a report, Ridley talking about Alien Covenant, he's just like, it's gonna be bloody as hell, and I was like, oh man, Ridley is mad as fuck, man, <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna come at this Alien, co- he's gonna come at this Alien movie, and uh, as like a pissed off old man, uh, and he does like he doesn't give a fuck if you like Prometheus or not. Um, uh, he he sticks to his guns um, in terms of like the long game uh, because I think that this movie actually improves Prometheus um, just because they kind of fill in some gaps that you're kind of like, huh? Like if you you know actually sat and thought about like what the fuck was going on in Prometheus. Story wise, uh, you're just kind of like, well, how does the, how does that goo, the black goo, like turn you? In? You know, there was like a lot of things where you're just like, eh, and then you're like, are these engineers like Jesus? And like, you know, there's a lot of questions <laughs> where you're just like, and and then at the end of Prometheus, you know, there's a there's an alien that pops out, but it doesn't really look like a xenomorph, and you're just like, huh? Um, but I think that those 
questions are cleared up in this movie where you find out, you know, w- you know what all this has to do. Um, and I think that I think that that kind of is what sets makes this better than most, you know, franchises that go back and and show you, you know, the prequels and stuff. Like they I feel like he is at least, you know, he's 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 looking at it from a really long perspective and and at least is trying to build upon um you know this mythology which i feel like you know maybe i wasn't like i said it wasn't completely on board with prometheus you know i just i enjoyed it just as like a sci-fi horror movie but like i said i think this one improves on prometheus where i'm actually like okay like now i can i'm actually excited like to see where it goes um, and this one, it was kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of people did think this was going to be more of like a reboot, like that, that this was just going to be like, oh, Prometheus didn't have any of the xenomorphs, like this one's just going to be full xenomorph, you know. Um, but no, man, he really uh, he really sticks to trying to build this, and uh, I give him credit for that. Like, I think that, uh, you know, overall, it's just a it's just a really fun ride. Like, I mean, again, it looks amazing. Like the, this is a masterclass in production design and cinematography. Like it's just, I don't know how this movie is within 10 million of the Baywatch movie. Like that's insane <laughs> to me. Like this movie has fucking huge sets, like real sets, not shooting on a fucking lake to try and look like a beach. But, but it doesn't uh, have Zac Efron. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess Zac Efron's abs cost at least like thirty million. Yeah, that's, and that's, and that's per ab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, it's ten million per pack. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, like I mean, I just think it's a. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people saying like, oh, it feels like a retread. I mean, oh, of course it's gonna feel like that. It, they're on the sixth movie, the sixth Alien movie by now, and I feel like. Uh, you know, you're going to run into that kind of stuff. Obviously, in any horror franchise, once you get t- into five and six, you're fucking looking for all kinds of shit to do. Um, you know, I think that even something like, you know, like the like the Friday the 13th sequels, like they're, yeah, they're not necessarily the greatest, but they're still entertaining. And then I feel like this has the benefit of like, the original director coming back to do one and just making it like super classy and stuff. Um, but I do think that, 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 that Ridley Scott is like working with a lot of, uh, cool stuff here. Um, which I can't talk about because it's, it's all spoilery, but we'll, um, we'll do a brief spoiler section. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I don't know what to talk about anymore because I got bleep for, Talking about a death in Force Awakens, even though that movie's in Guardians the review. Like, come on. The movie's like two years old. Where have you been? If you haven't seen if you don't know that, then I don't know what to do. Um Hey, maybe some people are gonna watch it for the first time now that freaking episode eight's about to come out. Nah nah, dude. Come on. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I don't bleep swear words anymore. I gotta bleep something, right? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and Force Awakens, spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I just, uh, the, the the rest of the stuff, obviously Fassie is great, as I alluded to in the beginning. Um, and I don't know 
how much more I can say of that. I feel like it has been announced uh, mm-hmm. of what of, yeah. of of his capacity in this movie, but well, let's, uh, let's talk about it in the spoiler section because there's something directly related to mm-hmm. the introduction of that that bothered me um, that we can talk about then. Okay. Oh, I I will say though, real fast. <laughs> I will. Uh, my my mm. initial my initial reaction after this movie was over was that Ridley Scott was a huge. He seemed to be a huge fan of Assassin's Creed because <laughs> it did have that look. Not only did I mean, not only were we graced with two fasces, but uh, there was a score by uh, by Jed Curzel. In this movie, which was really cool, um, <laughs> and Fassie has a hood at some point yeah. in time. And there's a there's a lot of hoods up, man. Like the first <laughs> twenty minutes of this movie is like hoods up, man. It's like, is this fucking Ghost Protocol? Like shit, Ghost <laughs> Ghost Protocol in space. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of hood action going on. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe maybe Ridley is a secret fan. I don't know. Apparently, he is a big fan of Pineapple Express, according to Danny McBride. Uh, which is that also... why there was the cameo by a certain character? <laughs> That's true. I forgot about him. But um, yeah, also Seth Rogen Dan- plays a xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "We can't have three people from Steve Jobs in this movie. Only two. <laughs> um, but I, I, I thought, I thought seeing Danny McBride in this movie was just a, a delight. Like I, I feel like he is just. He's such an underrated dramatic actor. Like he's not playing like the comic relief in this movie, and uh, like that's what like I feel like Ridley Scott does that a lot. He's very good at doing that. Uh, Tony Scott was he was good at doing that too, where they cast like comedians or actors that are known mostly for comedy um, in like dramatic roles, um, and they work like really well. So I I enjoyed that. Cool. Uh, well. For me, um, I mean, Carson, you mentioned that a lot of people are saying this feels like a retread, and I think that I would, for the most part, agree with them. (laughs) I mean, Prometheus is a story about a group of people who go to a planet and find this U-shaped ship, decide to go in it, and get fucked up by aliens. And this movie is about a group of people who go to a planet and find a U-shaped ship and get fucked up by some aliens. (laughs) Like, But it's like literally the characters are like, hey... You guys watch that Prometheus movie? I think that ship's over there. Let's go get it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, like that. That's it, it's sort of a joke, but it's also sort of like I feel like when I watched the first film, as as Steven said, it's sort of like let's answer all these questions that nobody really cared about. And I think this film takes that and quite literally doubles down on it. Like it's like it's like oh. For for you people who watched the first one and weren't totally excited by the lore that we were trying to build, this film is not for you. We're making this film for the people who actually liked all the lore and the the building of, of the history in that film. And they really just lean into it super heavily. And I think while that's not necessarily bad, we all know that I'm a huge fan of world building, I think there is so much unanswered stuff, unex- like explanations that don't make sense about how certain aspects of this one sludge stuff works. <laughs> like, it seems like, you know, if you do one thing with the sludge, it does this. If you do another thing with the sludge, it does this. If the sludge is ingested by the people who created the sludge, one thing happens. And then if it's ingested by any other organic life on the planet, 
something quite different happens. And it's like we're getting to the point where they're building enough rules that the rules don't facilitate a world that I think works. Like the xenomorphs as a creature, they're they're an advanced, highly deadly creature that essentially can destroy all organic life, which they need to reproduce on any system they're in. So you get to the point where this isn't about a a like alpha predator that exists on a planet, not a predator predator, but you know what I mean? Like a, mm. it's not a creature that is at the top of its food chain. It's a thing that systematically destroys the entire planet and should die out because its entire foods I don't I don't even think they eat. They just kill and put babies in things. Like it's something about Man, it. am I right? <laughs> 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 Hashtag not all xenomorphs, <laughs> um, but I, I just I, oh, I feel <laughs> I, I feel that there's something strange. Like they're they're scary. The idea of them is scary, but there's also a level of yeah. like. So let's let's go back to the film Life, which Steven still hasn't seen, but we we did a review of you and I, Carson, and in that yes. story, yes, there is a crazy, scary alien stuck on the ship with the crew members and. One thing, one big part of the plot is, like, how do we not die? But the other thing is, how do we prevent this thing from getting down to the planet? Because if it does, it means the extinction of all mankind. Um, that is the dominant th- threat to the planet. And in this, yes, we have a colonization mission of a bunch of sleep, like 2,000 sleeping souls and a bunch of embryos, which are meant to help facilitate the, the the carrying on of life on another planet. Um, but if those 2,000 souls were lost, we don't know the status of the rest of humanity. Like, this isn't a, this isn't a thing where, like, the Earth has been destroyed and the only humans... Like, this isn't like Battlestar Galactica, right? Where, like, the rest of the fleet is the rest of humanity. And if the Cylons kill everyone, humans are done. This is, like, this planet that they arrive on already has the things... And if these things were to make it off this planet, their only place to go is this vessel, which is going to an uncolonized world. And worst case scenario, that world can no longer be colonized. Like, if that, if, if we were told that the Covenant is going to the last habitable planet in existence, and several years later, the rest of humanity is going to land there then maybe we could be scared that, like, what would happen if the aliens got aboard the ship and then took over the planet that they're going to. But, like, we don't have any of that information. So all we know is these things basically can spawn and kill everyone because they're super deadly, and that's scary. But I just don't... I don't know the threat to humankind, and the film directly makes me think about those questions. And it's like, it doesn't give me anything that gets me excited and it it poses a bunch of questions that confuse me to the point of like understanding what is going on like i get character motivations and i get what each person is doing um but i don't get how they think this works <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's, I, I without going to spoilers like that like, there, there's just something about the construct to the plot that doesn't make sense to me and ultimately it makes me not excited about the film like life while we weren't like, like while I didn't say it was the greatest movie, I was like, oh, it's it's just it's fine. It's a space thriller with an alien, and the stakes are good, and some people act well in it, and and cool. Like it wasn't my favorite movie of all time, but I was like, yeah, good on you. And I feel like Alien Covenant is 
very scene for scene exactly what happens in Prometheus, but just with a new crew <laughs> that mm-hmm. the same thing happens to. And then it builds on top of the events that ended that previous film, but it builds on, the, on them in a way where I, I now know the events that took place. I just don't understand them. And I don't know whether it's just because I am not into the lore enough to follow along in a way that's satisfying or if the film does a bad job of carrying me through that to a point where I would care. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's tempting to compare Ridley Scott to the other, the next alien director, um, uh, (laughs) James Cameron. I almost wanted to call him Cameron Crowe for a second. (laughs) I was like, that can't be right. (laughs) We're going to think about this for a second. Um, Anyway, because because I think... uh, the Avatar series has a kind of similar thing where he clearly is a person with like a big vision, a broad vision of a universe he wants to build. And the big overarching question for me is like, is there something in there that will make me care about the universe half as much as he cares about the universe? Yeah. And I think with, with this alien saga, I'm kind of there too, where I like, I, I respect the craft. Like, I think like he is building a universe and he wants this to be bigger than one or two films. And he has a whole trajectory that he's going on. And he has, like, interesting themes he's poking at. I don't think he's really diving into them at all, but he's at least, like, prodding at ideas of, like, humanity and creation and art and life and religion, question mark, with Billy Crudup. I'm not really sure. (laughs) Um, But there's just, like, uh, I want to be on his level. Like, I want to feel half as excited as he feels about this. And I... I don't know if I'm the problem or if I'm just like waiting for a film that will make it all click and will like bring the personal and the abstract together and make me actually be really into it. Yeah. Steven, that was almost a fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have uh, any, good do you have any feedback? reference? Uh, Is Danny Pride in that? No, we talked about this already. <laughs> <laughs> we literally had this conversation on the podcast, I think. Um,. No, I mean, I like that they didn't really reveal, they didn't reveal, like, the, the reasoning behind why they had all these, these, uh, these couples on board, uh, these passengers. Um, I, I like that they kind that they kept that aspect in the dark. Like, I, I feel like now, after having seen this movie, and seen, like, what he's, uh, building on, like, I'm I'm more inclined I'm like okay now I can now I have a sense of where of like how this is going you know because at first it was like I, I feel like they at least cut down on the exposition of Prometheus and mm-hmm. really kind of just more showed you the stuff in action um and then but th- th- there's literally a character who says to another character I'll show you and then cut to 15 minutes of him explaining things that happened yeah but and but seeing but, a vision like but the at least only that... information you can get from this besides they're on a colonization mission is straight up exposition that is not really informative it's just like explorational of of this idea well i guess okay well i'll rephrase and say that i guess it's not as muddled exposition as the first one, because I feel like the first one was kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't know how some of these things are 
uh, you know, what is their purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was like his The Fountain almost. <laughs> it was like <laughs> interesting visuals that like you're like, this feels profound, but I don't actually know what you're trying to tell me. But, but what's weird though... I like The Fountain, by the way. I'm just my Yeah, I mean, I just think there there was stuff in... in because I, I I truly did think that it was going to be more of like a um, more of like a traditional alien movie where you know they were gonna not fully ignore but like ignore I guess most of Prometheus just because people weren't down with that but like I kind of admired the fact that he just doubled down and was like no like I'm gonna stick with what we were you know building upon and I feel like at least some of the things that that are explained in this movie helps that help clears up it helped cleared up uh, some of the things where I was like you know what is going on here and um, so I feel like in terms of you know like if there's still unanswered questions like with Covenant like I feel like now I can at least see the the picture of like okay he's really going in with the, the long game man like he really wants to um take his time to build up to alien um which i i mean i appreciate like i think that you know this movie does have the a more like a much more like old school like slower pacing um than most big budget movies like sci-fi horror movies like i think that you know, the, you know, yes, you can argue that the characters aren't exact; they're not completely three dimensional. But I felt like the actors d- did do a good job of of bringing them to life and at least getting you to be like, okay, I can, I can get on board with these people. Um, you know, and I and I like the aspect of not fully knowing, you know, all their backstories and stuff. Um, and I think that that. Um, Oh, this is this is part of the episode where I lose my train of thought. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, but I like I like that aspect of where they. But 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 like okay, so you know we don't have the f- we don't have the full backstory on the characters. Okay, I, I remember now what I'm what I was about what I was about to say. But the movie still takes its time to build up to like the first kill. You know, like it's not just jump right in and fucking you know aliens are attacking like. Like, they, like, he at least builds the tension and the suspense, like, fairly, like, really well, I, I feel like. Um, you know, whereas, you know, if in a traditional part six in a, you know, slasher or horror movie, like, you would just immediately get into fucking Freddy or Jason or whoever killing people. And I think that, you know, while that, while people complaining that it felt like a retread and stuff and like, you know, Chris, you were just saying about how like, you know, it just felt, it felt like that. Uh, but I, I kind of like that aspect of just Ridley Scott doing this like haunted house movie, um, and, and doing it like really well, like on a, like a really like, like B minus C level horror (laughs) sequel, but like elevating it up to fucking like a level with all this crazy, set design and the cinematography and having all these great actors and uh like really just intense uh you know scenes like i i feel like you know the 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 definite horror aspect of this movie 
delivers much more than Prometheus did. Like Prometheus had like a couple really great scenes. Obviously, like the the birthing scene was the most memorable. But like, I mean, that movie kind of suffered from like the fact that they. I think attempted to make a PG-13 movie at first and then realized like, oh shit, this is Alien, it needs to be R. And it, <laughs> they didn't like, they didn't fully go in. And I feel like, you know, with uh, with with this one, you know, Ridley, at least the, the one course correct was like, okay, we're going in, it's going to be fucking hard R rated. Like, it's we're not going to mess around. Um, which may have made made people think like oh like it's gonna be more of like a soft reboot and they're gonna kind of ignore prometheus but um i don't know maybe i don't know but uh i i do like i do like that you know he at least recognized the fact that like we should have gone we shouldn't we should have gone all in with prometheus um and he does that here like it's not you know we're not that's definitely not wasted i think um no, I, I I completely agree with that. I mean, I I like the horror aspects. I was actually genuinely surprised at various moments of the horror aspect of this film. I was like, oh, oh shit, that just yeah. happened. And uh, <laughs> even like post death scenes, um, like where just another character discovers the remains of somebody who's been killed by a creature, like yeah. those are all rad. Um, I have no complaints about that aspect. Like I think the horror side of this film is good. I just think that the attempts to elevate it create issues for me i mean let's <clears throat> let's go back to uh darren aronofsky's noah in noah one of the big themes is is noah crazy mm-hmm. or is he really getting divine messages from god and because we know of the tale of the noah story we have enough backstory to go like okay well eventually it's going to turn out that this is true um but maybe not you know maybe darren aronofsky, darren aronofsky does damn it i can't even say the name uh does something crazy with it and but that is that is a theme you know you're watching a character who has he's working with whatever information he can and he's making a decision but we know that there's theoretically a truth that he shall discover at some point in time and as we the audience discover it in if you take prometheus and uh alien covenant together there is a character who we can just call the Noah character, right? Mm-hmm. He is taking whatever facts he has at the time, which is honestly very, very little, and he is trying to make decisions about the intent of this being that created this virus, what they wanted to do with it, and he is taking action based upon that. Um, and I think that due to the nature of what happens in both films, we can never know the truth. We can never know the truth. Um, because it is literally impossible to know. So we have a character who has decided what the truth is and has his own new truth. And because we can never know what the actual truth is, we can't, like, follow him in this journey as, uh, like... You know what I'm trying to say, Stephen? Like, I can't tell if you're smiling. No, no, I, I, I understand it, and it's also getting, like, ultra schnazy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two thoughts. <laughs> I get what you're saying. There, there is unlikely to be a way for there to be a bigger reveal that, like, brings everything together now. All you're left with is the character that we should really just be talking about in the spoiler section um, <laughs> and what he believes to be the the purpose of everything. Yeah. But clearly this is not a character we are meant to experience the world through or empathize with. Like this is a character who is, I, 
even using the word is going to screw it. Let's just go to spoiler section. This is stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, should we do verdicts before spoilers? Sure. All right. Uh, we're going to give verdicts, and then we'll quickly get into spoilers here. But for now, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? So I feel kind of a curmudgeon saying this because I, I really do appreciate the way the movie was made. The production value is great. The set design is great. I really like this had much more of the like H.R. Giger look than other things did. It had like genuinely really disturbing creatures and a lot of good jump scares and a skin crawling, unsettling feel. <laughs> but I, I just can't negate the way I felt walking out of the theater, which is like this was all fine and dandy, but I don't. I don't know why, why I watched it. And so for me, that's like a classic rental, which is like, this would be a, a solid rental. Totally great. If you're down to see an alien movie, this is a perfectly fine alien movie. I just am not yet convinced that this universe has something worth watching if your name is not Ridley Scott. <laughs> or Carson Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Carson Patrick, what would you give this film? Um, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a must see purely on, on, uh, on just the look and, and production value of it. But I, I also just had a really, really fun time with it. And I think that it is, um, it, it is a lot ballsier and weirder, uh, which I can explain more later, but it is a lot ballsier and weirder than most modern blockbusters um and i did like it better than prometheus um and again i think it improves prometheus i don't know where this would fall in with the you know ranking with the others but uh i think it's a really solid movie and um yeah i had a i had a really fun time with it so i i do i look forward to seeing the next one i'll say i liked it better than prometheus too (laughs) Well, uh, Carson and Steven say this improves Prometheus. I think this improves the movie Life. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> um, that but, wasn't hard. Uh, but, but um, yeah, in general, I, I, think, I think for me it is also a wait for rental. Um, you know, I'm curious where they're going to go, I guess, with the next one. I mean, obviously they're setting up something very specific, and that's going to be fine. Maybe it'll be crazy and fun. But I think even the the visuals of this film in general, I don't think reached the level of Prometheus. Like, it is a lot more interior stuff and a lot less time spent seeing the vast... Uh, like, everything that you see in this film is a very specific aesthetic, <laughs> which I guess we'll talk about soon in spoilers. Um and I think that I love the open world with, like, these huge flat plains and mountains of Prometheus. And like I said, in that review and calling back to in this review, like, every single exterior shot in Prometheus I wanted as, like, a 4K desktop background. And But, but this was, like, the exact same stuff, if it, not better. I, I disagree. I, I, I didn't All right, have well, those, same, you know. those, those same moments. Like, there, there is, when they first descend to the planet... There are a few shots like that, but I felt like there was way more scenes like that in Prometheus because there was more time spent exploring the surface of the world versus in this where it's like, well, we know exactly where we need to land. Let's fight some creatures, you know, Jurassic World style mm. <laughs> in, in, uh, 
in this tall grass and then let's climb this hill with broken trees and then now we're in a ship and I felt like those scenes were less interesting to me so yeah there's not even like a for to me there's not a big screen element even though you can see this on large format uh, screens well, it's no Victoria guys or hardcore Henry I mean those are <laughs> those are just aesthetically wonderful movies just beautiful but Ridley Scott fuck him no, I praise I praise Prometheus. No, I know, but you say I never not... said I never said that uh, that uh, Victoria or Hardcore Henry were visually stunning. I just said that they're films that I very much appreciated. But you would recommend people to see those movies on the big screen. You're saying not to go see Alien Covenant on the big screen, which is probably the best way to experience this movie. I, I'm saying that those films at the time. The only way to experience were in theaters, and I wanted people to experience them immediately. This film, I have no drive to tell somebody to go out and see it. Mm. That's, the, that's the sheer difference. Okay. This episode is sponsored by Sheer Penny, <laughs> which Chris <laughs> is wearing. When in Rome. Anyways, well, that is the main review. Those are our verdicts. We are going to take a short break as the music swells up. Um, the rest of you who have sne- not seen Alien Covenant yet, um, go ahead and see the movie according to Carson Patrick and come back for the spoiler section. The rest of you, you can wait till it comes out on VOD and watch it then. And then you can go back to your archive of this episode and uh, give it a listen. Um, but yeah, when the music fades back so out, we work. will be in full-blown spoilers. So be warned. So we are back. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review. We are in full-blown spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie, know that a spoiler is just going to jump out, grab your face, go down your throat, and implant a baby inside of you. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I roll. I mean, <laughs> shit. Neomorph is my favorite move. <laughs> Double bag that shit, man. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yes, so we are now in spoilers. Uh, we have been talking about a character who is the thing that drives this plot forward. That is the character of David, um, who is the fassy character from the first film, Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is the counterpart to Walter, mm-hmm. what's his name? Yeah, which is the new Fassie, um, who is a new upgraded version of Fassie. Mm-hmm. Apparently not upgraded <laughs> enough to not have his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> but he oh. is the new, he's the new Fassie in this film. Well, old Fassie has had a lot of time in the cave to prepare. Oh, yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, Assassinating of... Creed-related yeah. things. It, <laughs> he had, like, Assassin's Creed knives that he used to cut oh, yeah. his hair to in the cave. <laughs> Um, I'm uh, telling but, you, man. Ridley was a Ridley was a fan. This is uh, gonna, yes. this is my theory, truthers. That, that that's that's you've already got more plot going in your theory than this film had. <laughs> ew, ew. Uh. Um, but yeah, so, so I'll bring up my point that I was making right before spoilers, and then we can roll off and do other things. So um, in Prometheus, they find these like canisters of this black oil stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, Texas tea. Texas tea, <laughs> um, crude oil. Um, but uh, basically, um, we sort of discover that, well, in, in the opening shot, 
one of these albino giant men uh, swallows a vial of this thing. His body disintegrates. That body flows down a river and I guess brings life to the planet that may or may not be I'm going to be honest with you. Earth? I don't remember at all. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what we're supposed like, – Carson, correct me if I'm wrong because he loves this franchise. Uh, the idea is that like this race of being – like sent people to various planets and started life on those planets by swallowing this poison slash virus that broke their cells down and became the primordial soup that generated life on those planets. Yeah, that um, was that was supposed to be the the gist. Yeah, that they yeah, yeah. these these engineers the, the Jesus the Jesuses. Yeah, that um, remember that was supposed to be the actual reveal was that the. Jesus was an engineer, and we killed him, and then they got fucking mad. Um, yeah, but they like, oh uh, yeah, they like that's downplayed the, that for the actual movie. But yeah, that's, that was that's supposed to bell be, now. <laughs> that was supposed to be it. Yeah. penance for the <laughs> religious community. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, anyways, so this is sort of the idea that we're working with. Um, so this weird poison, when ingested by the engineers breaks them down into parts that can then build up other life. But when this poison is ingested by other organic life that was created by the engineers drinking it and then having their cells broken down, it just morphs into this gross alien thing that's super, super deadly. I mean, incest does that to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened in that one episode of The X-Files that got banned. Um, there was an episode about incest. Anyways, I got so at the end of the film... Uh, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. <laughs> hops on board the ship and she's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take the ship back to the home world with all these like canisters and we're going to see what is up. Right. She's like, she's going back there. I assume yeah. she's angry um, or just confused and wants an explanation. I don't remember exactly what her motivation was at the end of the film, but apparently Fassbender goes like, uh-uh. I have decided that the ultimate point of this canister, which we know from the opening of Prometheus was to start life on other planets is actually to create some higher evolved form of some deadly, crazy life. Cause he's decided that as an Android, he's superior to human beings and like we should eradicate all life. So first thing he does is fly to the planet and just genocide the entire planet. So all the engineers theoretically do not exist um, anymore. So like the one people that can explain why they created the substance, he just kills all of them. They are all gone. And then he chills on this planet trying to evolve the highest evolution that he can get from the one person he has left to use as a host. And essentially the the xenomorphs and the, the sludge cannibalize all organic life except for plants on the planet. And now the planet is kind of just useless to him. He basically has these eggs, which he's waiting for other travelers to come arrive on the planet so he can impregnate them to make an even higher evolved form of this stuff. So he just lays in wait and takes a hologram of, of the girl with the dragon tattoo singing a song and broadcasts it over the entire universe in hopes that one day other humans will come to the planet so he can inject them with the sludge. That's his whole plan, right? When you put it like that. (laughs) Am I, am I, Carson, am I on the right track at all? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see what, I don't see what your, your beef is though. Like what in his, okay, so here we go. So my question earlier was like, what 
what is his intention? Like, why did, like, he, so he thinks that androids are, like, clearly superior to humans because they never die and they're theoretically perfect, right? He's, I mean, he's fascinating. He's a perfect being, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And his intention is to take this sludge and make other imperfect, capable of dying beings in attempt to make the best imperfect, capable being that he can. And he's just going to let them create them until they absorb all of the leftover resources of human matter and then go into some weird hibernation until he can find another planet to infect where all along he just exists as this thing, right? Like he's, he's always going to be better than anything he can create. So he's basically doing a shittier version (laughs) of what a certain character from guardians of the galaxy is doing. Right? <laughs> right? And it's kind of like, well, what is the point? Like, he can never create another android, right? Like, if he really wanted to accomplish his goal, he would just take things and build other androids, and then he could live happy in an android society of perfect beings. But instead, he's making more and more imperfect beings that can o- their only job is to kill other imperfect beings. But then we have Walter. There's the one moment where, where him, where Walter and David are having the conversation. And Walter's trying to make a point that David isn't perfect, so asks him who originally authored something, and then David gives the wrong answer, and Walter's like, see, you're not perfect. And mm-hmm. it's like, are we supposed to believe that a malfunction in his programming caused him to go through this process and want to kill all living things? Or is that meaningless? Like, what is the point of this? I... I... <laughs> Steven's just shaking his head at me. I don't know about Steven and the listeners, but it must be fucking exhausting to be Chris. Like, it is just, it's exhausting to listen to, man. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I mean, I, I watch a I movie. I tired like, a lot. I, I watch this movie and I'm just happy to see a movie where... Michael Fast. It's essentially Michael Fassbender wants to fuck himself. Like, he just really wants to... To fuck himself, or Catherine that Watterson. That scene was great. Or, uh, <laughs> he, I mean, I, I mean. And, th- and that's the thing. I'm, bet- I'm betting money that he fucked, that he fucked Numi Rapasa's body. Like, that was a definite, right? Like, when they showed her dead body well, on the gone. table, there's definitely, like, he was like a horny college student just down for anything. Um, I mean, you just gotta do that shit when you're out alone on this planet, but, um. I I mean, I I just I just really enjoyed the aspect of of Michael Fassbender playing as this as the sinister David, like playing this this Doctor Frankenstein type character and experimenting with like all these fucking different organisms and like giant. He has like his his like uh, his scientific cave that he has is a uh, a very uh, very cool a very memorable uh, set piece uh, he's got all these fucking like Guillermo del Toro bugs on the wall and shit <laughs> um, it, it's a it's a very cool scene and I think I think we're obviously supposed to get the fact that you know that, that he's using a lot of the uh, he's just fucking around with whatever the engineer the engineers were doing um but there is but there's just something about the the idea of this this perfect creation that 
I, I mean, I really like the opening scene where we have uh, Guy Pierce uh, come back reprising his role. Uh, thankfully, not in in really hilarious old man makeup this time. But because uh, <laughs> he's actually an old man now, because <laughs> he's actually because <laughs> he it was supposed. It. But um, no, but like I I like that you know they brought him back and and you know we get this scene of of uh, you know Fassy just basically telling him like you know. Yeah, you, this this mortal cre- created this, you know, an immortal, basically, and then, excuse me, um, <laughs> and then later on, you know, like, it just, I don't know, something about this, this immortal being, this, this, this android, you know, in all classic sci-fi where the, the robots go bad, I mean, uh, the idea of him alone on this planet, just fucking around with shit experimenting was very creepy to me and the fact that the you know when this crew shows up you know it's that's like the you know he's the he's the guy he's the killer in the haunted house waiting for the victims to come and he shows up in his fucking assassin's creed hood (laughs) to lead them to the fucking haunted castle like that to me like that whole is that whole aspect is just the fact that that's in this an alien movie is was really fun to me and it, it made me feel like that Ridley Scott was almost disinterested in making and again it goes back to the whole the idea of the you know he's really taken the long approach but like I don't I maybe not disinterested but he didn't he wasn't like okay I'm going to give you the aliens right away like he he was kind of just like, I'd rather see Michael Fassbender erotically play a flute with himself. Like, I mean, who wouldn't? But I, I feel like he's, you know, he he was really getting into, like, those kind of really gonzo scenes. And I, I, I enjoyed that stuff that he was actually, you know, getting into this stuff. Um, and as to why he is, you know, doing it, I mean, I don't know. Like, I... I, again, I just like the idea of him playing this this Dr. Frankenstein character in like a haunted house, like that kind of a scenario. Although it is pretty ironic that like the these perfect beings that created humans is wiped out by like a synthetic organism that humans created. Like there's there's a little bit of like irony there i guess like ah look at this i mean i feel like that was supposed to be like the whole gist of it when he's fucking killing him off it's like oh shit synthetic being being david yeah right right okay that this this man-made creation i i I do really like the the when he's talking to guy pierce and he's like (laughs) he's like uh if you're immortal and you created me and i'm immortal aren't i like better than you and he just yeah Fucking get me some tea. <laughs> I was literally born yesterday, and I already know I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, like, I like that. I like that interaction where he's just realizing, like, oh, fuck. Right, right. Um, and, and so I, li- I like that, and I like the character. So I'm in in classic Steven form. I'm, like, somewhere in between yeah. you, you guys. Like in, So I, I feel what Carson is saying. Like, I, I like the idea of this character, and there are, like, lots of horror and sci-fi touchstones like Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. I don't think that's a coincidence necessarily. Right. right? Yeah. Um, 
the island of Dr. Moreau is another one. Like, there is, like, this idea of a person who just has gotten very obsessed with a thing. And people who are obsessed with a philosophic principle to the point where it doesn't even make sense anymore, those are kind of, like, the most terrifying villains in general, right? So it it doesn't bother me that much that I don't fully understand all of David's reasoning and how it fits into some grand plan. Um, like, but, I, so, so I didn't deep dive the way Chris did where hmm. it's kind of like, <laughs> what does David represent and what is his grand vision for the universe and how is he getting there piece by piece? I saw him more as a, uh, maybe because I didn't remember Prometheus that well, I saw him as a, an Android that got kind of corrupted with power or with this like idea of creation and yeah. he's just on this planet tinkering. I didn't see him but, as a person who came to the planet with a perfect endgame already. I saw him as like, he's I'm going to do this. He's just fucking around. But see, here's the weird thing is, right? In that interaction between David and Walter, it seemed, to me it seemed pretty expressed, expressly stated that like Walter was programmed with the inability to create anything new. But David has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there was some line where he said that uh, that Walter said that you know he was like the the new and improved version because uh, David proved to be basically be too sinister or something like he was too self aware or whatever was too hu- human like yeah like, too human yeah but so so all what, too human what what what's what's weird though is that if David didn't have the ability to, like he was programmed with the inability to create but he learned that by by letting people succumb to this thing new things were being created and that's what corrupted him that could be very interesting but he pretty much states that he has the ability to create things already and that Walter was 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 a upgrade from him to prevent the ability to create new things so it's like you can't even take that route because he already can create new things. So, like, I, I don't know. There, there is, it seems like there's, there's all these adjacent ideas that could have made David's character, his motivations, more interesting and, like, viable to making sense to me. Uh, but instead, they, like, they rule out the things that would make me accept his motivations, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very, very strange. Where I'm like, oh, it, oh no? Okay, cool. Oh, but what? Oh, no, I guess not. (laughs) So for me, like the the motivations only the the big hole or whatever that I feel here is like if he is intoxicated with the power of creating and he wants to develop the perfect being, like in what way are these like weird, slimy alien creatures who can't do anything but like eat people? (laughs) How are they the perfect being? Like, that's what I don't really understand is like, why does he want to make this of all possible things? Yeah. Like that. And I get that that isn't like a big plot point, but it is like, it drives. Why should I be terrified of this villain? And in this case, because he is so idealistic and the film, like spends a long time with him philosophizing about like the folly of man and the future and evolution I just don't really buy why these, like, why are Zerg what he made in the end? Um, so, like, that, that that's the main reason why I see him more as just a big bad, like a horror villain. Yeah. But the way the film goes where it it ends with him getting on a spaceship and planning his new mission of basically inflicting much more harm on the universe. Yeah. I I just don't really understand why. Like, if he's going to be the linchpin of all of this, I would... 
it'd be nice to like understand a little bit more about why he's doing what he's doing. Well, so, so here's here's the other weird thing, right? Is he has two thousand sleeping passengers and embryos. The film ends with him like vomiting up these embryo sacs to put in the <laughs> incubation chamber. Yeah. To presumably which was go- awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but like. In, in Cool Hand Luke style, Michael Fassbender really ate all of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I almost referenced Cool Hand Luke recently in an episode. I forget what it was. But anyways, um, uh, now my brain's shutting off. Okay, so presumably the idea is once they get to, <laughs> to Agnes 6 or whatever the planet's called, um, like he's going to infect all these people. But if it's really just for the point of experimenting more, he could just wake up one human at a time, infect them, see what he gets, wake up. Like, the ship doesn't need to go anywhere. He's not going to get something better on that planet. Like, he can do everything he wants to on the space station now. There's no reason to put the embryos in hibernation also and then wait till he gets somewhere else. Just fucking start waking people up and infecting them. Like, he can do everything he needs to do. I mean, he could have crashed the ship down on his planet and then kept his cave with all his drawings instead of abandoning it. Like, he literally gave up all his notes. <laughs> like, I mean, he's an android, so he's got, like, a friggin', like, yeah, eidetic memory I mean, or whatever. But Yeah, so if he does want to do any more, having a way of transporting is pretty cool, right? And maybe, like, he does think, like, more people are going to follow. That, that's what would have been nice to know is if, yeah. like, this mission is the first of many, right? Like, they're they're settling a brave new world, and then mankind is going to come come and live there yeah and they could have just freaking started the movie with killian murphy sitting in front of a monitor saying like if you're reading this message it means our mission succeeded right like just mm-hmm. like freaking in, in sunshine you get an info dump at the beginning where he, the character explains what the mission is in this we just have char- characters constantly say hey we have two thousand souls in hibernation for this colonizing mission don't risk the ship like that's all we get I do want to say, like, Catherine Waterston is a really shitty captain by, like, <laughs> she is basically the only reason for anyone to go back down to that planet, and she's, like, willing to risk infecting everybody so she can survive, and that seems like a, like a shitty move when there's 2,000 innocent people. Yeah. Sorry, Catherine, not on board. Go down with the planet. <laughs> yep. Agree. Go down with the hairstyle. Well, I think, uh... <laughs> I... I don't even know. I just remember that uh, that um, that when at the end of Prometheus, when when her and and Fassie's head flew off to this planet, um, <laughs> and there was a guess they they released like a there is an extra scene that they released online before the movie that I mean it doesn't really show you much more. It just kind of shows her putting his head back on and stuff like right before he he drops all the goo on the planet um <laughs> like he he puts her into into cryo sleep and then basically says like yeah i'm gonna i'll wake you up when we get to the planet and then you know he gets to the planet but obviously she dies um they probably were like oh this because i feel like because, uh, um, like, they sent... Because I, I, Fassie knows that someone is eventually going to show up, like, because they sent out, like, that... A distress beacon or something was going off that that's why the Covenant was coming... Or that they picked up on, you know? Uh, but... I, I mean... Look, I, I feel like that there's probably more... Yes, there are more unanswered questions. I would imagine that they... 
you know, once the next one comes out, that might fill in the gaps for for this one. I did, you know, I would imagine so. Uh, I mean, that's how Ridley's going to keep us on the hook. Yeah, I feel like it. I mean, I I thought that um, the. I mean, I pretty you pretty much can see the ending of this movie coming in terms of like the the reversal, the reveal that you know oh, yeah. da- David is posing as Walter. But I feel like that the way that they revealed it was very satisfying. Like I I thought the ending of this movie was very satisfying. Um, you know, and Fassy telling you know, don't let the bed bugs bite and stuff like. So, that was just like a very, I feel like, satisfying moment, even though you knew it was coming. Um, and, it, and it just shows you that, like, his character is the scariest thing in the movie. Like, I feel like he is scarier than the actual aliens. So to- I, I agree that her figuring it out was awesome reveal. I hate the idea that they couldn't write a better reveal than him not being able to ad-lib, yes, I'll help you with your fucking cabin. Where's your yes-anding skills, Fassie? But, like, seriously, (laughs) like, he has been hiding as this character for the last several scenes, and then she goes, just tell me, will you help me build the cabin? All he had to do was say, of course. (laughs) Like, there's... What? You can't fucking roll with that? Like, it doesn't... Friggin' any character on that ship... Would have picked up and been like, it was like, oh yeah, we'll totes build that cabin. Talk well, to you later. So you're saying you didn't want him to reveal himself at the end? Yeah. No, so no, I don't I, know if he slipped up or if he was like just happy to reveal himself. I think I, he was. He wanted to because she was already about to take a nap. I I I read it as him slipping up. And no. Yeah. I don't think so. I think, I think that I think was. It's a, I think it's a slip up. <sighs> I, I I think the better way to be do it if he hadn't actually cut off his hand. And it was just hiding the whole time underneath the sleeve. Because there's a point where she even looks at his missing hand. And I think what would have been better is when he pushes the button to put her to sleep, he uses the hand that's supposed to be cut off. And then she goes, oh, fuck, and then goes to sleep. That would have been better, in my opinion, than him either slipping up or not slipping up. Like, Well, uh, this is why you didn't write the movie. (laughs) (laughs) This this is why I didn't write the movie. I mean, well, the fucking ending that you proposed with him waking people up, that would be fucking stupid, too. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. But it would, it would facilitate his own goal. But it would not be as satisfying of an ending as it was visually. I, I did like the ending. I, I think the ending is, like, the least of this movie's troubles. You know, sinisterly, in a horror aspect. Because, I mean, I don't think that that was supposed to be a slip-up on his part at all. That was supposed to be when he fucking reveals himself that he's... That he's not Walter, that he's David. I mean, she recognizes, like, his silence is when she sees, like, oh, fuck, like... But it's not silence, it's it's like a... It's like, what do you mean, Kevin? It's like a... It's not like a... Like, it's not a smirk. It starts with the, what do you mean? And then she, like, gets all weird and goes, David? And then he smirks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, I didn't read it as, as, like... Oh, I'm totally gonna get her now. This is gonna be great. She's gonna ask me about the cabin. I'm gonna go, oh, what cabin? I mean, I I took it as him just <laughs> fucking around. That he, I mean, he knew that like she couldn't do anything because she was about to go to sleep. So, yeah, I, I was fine with that. 
I do think it's interesting that the Alien series is basically becoming the Halo series. <laughs> <laughs> it basically was. <laughs> yeah. There's even the Covenant. Yeah. There's a sludge that fucks yeah. people up, transforms them into the crazy things that attack you. Yep. It's great. I mean, cool. I, I mean, yeah, like I don't, I don't know much, much more to say about the ending other, other than I thought that it was, it was a pretty good cliffhangery ending to, to end on. Cause it like, I mean, it, that is what made me excited to see like where they would take it next. Um, if, you know, they actually do get to wake up if, uh. Catherine Watterson, Danny McBride. I like that Danny McBride lived. Uh, that was probably just me. Um, <laughs> no, I like that he lived. Um, but I like that. I, I I really liked uh, that whole that whole last action scene where they're they're trying to blow the alien out into space. Um, that was and, cool. And you know, there's all that glass in zero G, which. Apparently won't look good on a desktop, but um, so I've been told. <laughs> but I heard they uh, used real glass. <laughs> but I thought it looked it looked really really cool, um, and uh, yeah, I just thought that was a that was a cool scene. That has nothing to do with spoilers, but uh, <laughs> I think I think some of it's featured in the trailer. So, but um, yeah, just like that whole the the whole look of it was. Pretty cool. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. Well, should we should we wrap this episode up? I, I think I, so. I, I think we've ex- uh, yeah. All right. Well, Steven, if people want to find you that the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me beaming a John Denver song from sdavidmiller.com or twittercom sdavidmiller. Garson, where can people find you? Telling them that the ending to Prometheus and the ending to <laughs> Alien Covenant is great. Uh, well, you can find me listening to John Denver songs in my van uh, in a abandoned warehouse when I'm trying to sell my firearms. <laughs> I'll be there. You know, that's what happened after you send your brother off to America. You know. Yeah. Yes. Well, people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Alien Covenant, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, that is the review. Thanks for joining me, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, also, also, if Chris does find the uh, Prometheus, if he digs up that Prometheus review, uh, preemptive apologies, because I don't know how bad it's going to be. Because there was some, <laughs> I can't remember what review it was, but I had gone back to listen to it to, like, get caught up on something, just to see what I said, and... I I just I cannot believe how different <laughs> I sound like I felt embarrassed for myself like greatly. <laughs> I almost wish it was deleted. Like everything pre twenty fifteen should just there should be a fire sale. I'm just saying. I wanna go on the record right now and say that was old me. And fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
New Carson is here. So here's the question. That was Carson. David. This is Walter. <laughs> yeah. Here's the here's the question for you, Carson, because I'm gonna be honest. I probably will not listen to that episode in its entirety before I post this episode. So mm. it's your call if you want it to exist or not. Oh, I don't. I don't care. I'm just saying it's probably. Uh, I it's probably there's probably something. Uh, there's probably something embarrassing in it, at least to me, because I feel like I am overly critical of myself. You see, I'm like Wiener watching his, you know, his interviews back. His Twitter except, DMs. You know, Whatever happened to that guy? Did anything? <laughs> except instead of getting all like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, God, like, I can't believe. Yeah. You don't like your 15-year-old self. <laughs> I don't like it. But it's a vicious cycle. All right, well, on that note, we'll see everybody next time. Bye.